Welcome, everybody. This is The Real Deal with me, Larry Lawton, and Benz is over here. What's up? All right, everybody. We got another good... We got a fan, kind of a fan appreciation or a fan uh, uh, show. We're going to be talking to a, one of our fans. His name is Brian, and we're going to find out where he's from, how he listens to us, all that. And in this case, and it's an interesting case because he's actually an ex-felon as well. So before I get started, really, guys... Check the book out right here, Gangster Redemption. It is amazing. You guys are already probably seeing the uh, results of the website and everything for the Crooked Diamond. This is going up really, really. Uh, Everything, um, we're really excited, aren't we, Ben? CrookedDiamondCigar.com, go there. If the pre-order is ready at this point, just hit the button, pre-order it. There's uh, only a few items on there. We got lighters, we got cutters, we got a special edition shirt. All that's going to be on the website, crookeddiamondcigar.com. Absolutely. And it's coming along, huh, Benz? Yeah, absolutely, man. I am so excited for it. It is finally hitting where I want it to hit. You know, you, been, yeah, we've been waiting. I, look at it. It's been taking. It's a long time, but obviously it's that's normal. almost a year process, but, you know, you blended the cigar. You paid, paid attention to it. And yeah, then there's and, a lot and that I never goes thought, on. you know, you don't realize this shit. You're going back and forth to Miami. I'm doing all that kind of shit. And, uh, and our guest today. He's smoking a cigar. He's another he is, cigar yeah. guy, you know, which uh, uh, obviously he, we're going to talk to him right now. We're going to bring him in. Brian, how you doing? I'm good, Larry. Ben, how are you guys doing? Excellent, man. Excellent. It's, it's good to have you with us. We're, we're doing really good. And, you know, you, your, your case intrigued me because you were a young man when you made some a really fucked up just decision. And we're going to talk about that right now. Give us your age, where you're from. Uh, I'm 28 from uh, Connecticut. Okay, you're in Connecticut now? Yes, I am. Oh, well, we're in Connecticut. You know, my sister used to live up in uh, Wood Woodland or something like that in Connecticut. Probably like Woodbury or something? Yeah, something like that. You know, yeah, I robbed I'm, the jewelry store there. <laughs> yeah, you robbed the one in Bridgeport, right? Yep, I sure did, right I on watched, that row. I watched that video. <laughs> Connecticut, of course. The uh, So you're 28 years old. Uh, what are you doing now? So now I'm uh right now I'm in a little bit of a struggle, you know. I was I had a uh, landscape design business. I was working at a flower store for uh, about five years, and became pretty knowledgeable about plants and uh, and what works in areas, what doesn't, for a lot of people. And the fun part is that I uh, throughout my work, you know, I got to explore a lot of these really high end areas in Connecticut. As you hear, you know, Connecticut has all these high end properties. So the fun part was going to these clients' houses, which are ten, fifteen million dollar houses, laying out all this stuff, and uh, it worked for a while. And then, unfortunately, my truck, which you know had the motor, uh, the motor that could run the earth, decided uh, it took twenty gallons of bad gas from a local gas station, and I was I'm the only one working on my own crew, so it put me out of commission. And right now. I'm trying to get back into it. I have a new truck, or new to me, 1999 F-250 that uh, I'm trying to get back into work with, but damn thing with more oil. Than the, uh, <laughs> Sounds like the you got one, some car trouble, that, man. You, you, you know, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to tell you no, something uh, very important, uh, Brian, and, 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 yes, and I'm trying to give you a little bit of what, what life, in its way, you know, a lot of things are going to be thrown at you. You're Obviously, we're going to get into this in a minute here. You're an ex-felon, correct? Correct. When did you get out of prison? I got out in uh, April of 2016. So you've been out five years. You were 23 when you got out. How old were you when you went in? 
16. 16 years old, and you, you were a youthful offender, correct? No, they charged me as an adult. But did you get the see? They do charge you as an adult, but you also the sentencing is, goes, right. is, is is it's not. I don't know if they call it youthful offender there, but they can they can't give no. them you know. Well, but, what they did was they charged me as an adult because they said that the uh, they said the assault with a deadly weapon, which happened to be an automobile, you know, was uh, they said I was in New York State. I was on the edge of adulthood, so they did was they took youthful offender wiped that off the table and charged me as a straight adult okay now you ended up doing how much time 16 to 23 five six years five six years, years six years, six years. I, did, I did six years i did uh so i did about two and a half in great meadow correctional facility which larry i'm pretty sure you're familiar with or no guys that have been there max up in uh up in uh what was it washington county uh new york and then I did the remainder of my time in Washington Correctional Facility, which is right across the street, which is a medium. And I don't care what anyone says about state mediums, especially in New York. They can be wilder than the mask. And the only reason why they're what I find it to be wilder than the mask is because you get these gang, these uh, gangbangers that come in, and you know they assemble easier because you're in a dorm setting. And I've seen a lot happen. What happens is, here's the difference, and he'll understand this more than anybody. Uh, when you talk about Max, they don't fight. They kill you. You know, this has exactly. a lot of, they have a lot of fighting. You know, right, like he says, like, like, I remember I was in a medium called Yazoo, Mississippi. It was actually a disciplinary place, and it was a gang unit. And fucking, you're right. I was in a B1, and a fucking, it was a riot with the blacks and Spanish kickoff. My buddy Ron and I are up against the wall. And, you know, we knew it was coming. I mean, we were convicts. I mean, I think I was in nine years already. And, I, you know, it's coming. And, you know, you, you know, you got to shut up, you know, give a shit and get your shit ready for the lockdown that's coming and all that kind of stuff. But what he's saying is it's almost like the youthful offender places. They, they're warrior camps, they call them, you know. And uh, that's kind of what he's talking about here. That it When I was in Max when I started and all that, and I was a bunch of Maxes, it's just crazy. There's really, you know, you could literally... They'll kill you. It's a, they, they don't give a fuck. Nobody really. I mean, and it's, a, and it's usually more mature, more wilder. These young kids, though, are fucking stupid, crazy, you know, and they'll, they'll whip you with a lock or some shit and fucking. Uh, and Larry, I got a comment on that, man. Go ahead. So New York State, you know how messed up the system is there? And, and I've been preaching it since I've been out, and I was preaching it when I was in. The system in New York State, what they do is they take lifers. And they will put them in these mediums because I know this because I was on the groundskeeping crew for Washington in the in the state jail with a couple of lifers. One of them, who if you look him up, Brian Britton, he uh, he ain't getting out anytime soon. It he basically killed his entire family with a 14 gauge shotgun. And Holy uh, fuck. yeah, and he was out of New York. He was out of the uh, Kitsis. Yeah, that was a 1980, 1989. He's got a ninety number. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's it's usually like the guys I saw who did like that where we were. We had a guy who was an amazing chess player, unbelievable. We didn't know that he killed his whole fucking family too. He was like you know, not normal, well, not normal, but you, you know, had to pull papers on him. Yeah, you, you know, it's oh, holy yeah. shit. You know what I mean? It's and I get what what they do is when they deem them not to be as a threat as the maximum security, whether it's escape threat 
or uh, a violence. Usually in staff, they'll say inmates, but they don't give a shit. And like what he's doing, he preaches and what I do, you know, understanding how violent the system is and how bad the system is. And here's the problem with, with the system, obviously. There's no uniform way to really do it. And they shouldn't because every, every case is different. You know, you know that. I mean, yeah. as, as a guy, you, you take a young kid who's more mature, you take somebody who's not or, or an older guy who might they a propensity for violence, you know. Uh, they put me in there really to fuck with me. I, I should have went. Maybe I shouldn't. Have, but I mean, they, they didn't like me. So, I mean, I, I had nothing coming with the system. And I think that sounds like him. And you know why it sounds like him? Tell him your case, Brian. I, you told me it, but I want you to explain exactly what happened and how you got to be uh, arrested and then sent to prison. Sure. So uh, when, I was, when I was 15, had a nosy neighbor. You know, they were, because uh, you know how old school families are you know you get reprimanded and you know you get the shit beat out of you when you're outside or inside well that's what, how it was in my house and to be honest i don't remember exactly what happened but i was going to a technical school then i went to public high school and i think when i just went to public high school i was so pissed that i left that i actually left the high school i actually cared about and went and went to you know some shitty public school where Honestly, I'm be surprised if half the kids there didn't end up in jail in the first place. But um, I was like pretty bitter, missed classes and stuff. And I don't exactly remember the uh, situation that happened that day. But had a nosy neighbor call the cops. You know, one of them was, or as a guest of someone other neighbor, called the cops because uh, you know my dad, he was old school. You know, he told he'd sh- he'd show you how he felt rather than told you. And you know, the state came, they separated us. They put me in a up in a home in the, up in the Hamden, Connecticut. And, and how old are you? All, I was fifteen at the time. Okay. So so, go, yeah, so what happened with the case itself? Like you 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 had obviously oh, yeah. there's every one of us still, sitting here have something of that. Okay. Meaning I don't oh, mean yeah. that to, to, to downplay your situation at all. But I always no, look at work. young people and everybody, you, you, you know, you be in prison, you do enough legal work, you look and you see, there's always like, look at me being abused or something happening. Where did that, where did it turn? You know, he, he's, uh, he's talking about his turning point, which I liked. And now what did you do to get yourself arrested? Yep. So while I was up at home, I got in uh, contact with some other guys that, you know, it's not a secret, you know, I'm an automotive guy and, so one of the guys said, hey, you know, I know how you can get, you know, you can get your first car. Got to talk to these guys, which I should have known at the time was going to be a red flag. But, you know, it didn't happen. You're 16. So I went in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just turned 16 at that time. And, you know, the one of them was more like a, you know, I guess you want to call it like a mob style. You know, we have to, we have to pick up some payment where payments do, so. It was uh, steal a car, bring it to a place, and collect the money. And then afterwards, you know, you get your pay, and eventually, you know, you do whatever you told. You get your you get your car that you want. So at the time, stole a car, and uh, the, I don't know. I hear you talking about MapQuest all the time, Larry, and that's what I had. I had to print out for MapQuest. MapQuest, <laughs> old yeah. school. Yeah. I, yep, and it. It sent me because this is remember this is 2010, and like you know, phone GP. I, I didn't have a smartphone. I had a, uh, I had a uh, flip phone, so I had to use the the uh, MapQuest uh, directions. 
printed out. So I missed an exit, and just happened at that time, one of the guys came by, and there was an argument because we stole the car from a dealer. So I was by myself. I had a lookout. Got in, got the car. Afterwards, uh, that car ended up getting taken back to the taken back to the dealer because state police found it before we could do anything with it because we were in the wrong area. They found the car pretty quickly. Then the second car came, and they were like, "Look, you're not gonna fuck this one up. Go get it." So I had a spotter. I went out, collected the car. This guy owed X amount of money. I'd say around fifteen grand because that's about the total of cars that you know we ended up stealing from him. It's uh, just two Mustangs. And one and the second one, I got lost on Matt's Quest Direction, which was a huge packet because I was supposed to go to Jersey. And they were having me back road through New York. And I was Map in Westchester. I'll tell you, Matt's Quest sucks. Still. <laughs> it's Larry's so, favorite so map, you, man. You're on your way from wherever to, from uh, where you were. From Milford, Connecticut to, uh, to Jersey. Going through and New I was York. In Westchester. Right. Yep. I was going through Westchester. And I filled up at a gas station. Now, here's where shit gets blurry because I didn't know a lot of these facts until after I got out. But this cop that was coming out of a red lobster across the street, number one, he said that he saw my driver's side rear tire was flat. And he was going to pull me over for it. Your what? Your driver's side rear tire was uh, flat. That's exactly what he said, apparently, in in his testimony in my case initially. So I I leave the gas station. And, you know, the car still has the uh, window sticker on it, but I have, I borrowed the uh, dealer plate from the, the desk at the uh, dealership. So I slapped it on the back of the car and I'm driving and this cop, he gets so close to the rear end of my car and there's it's two lanes on each side. And he is so close that his bumper guard must have been like six inches from the rear, from the rear of the Mustang. Cause I'm looking up, I can see the outline of this guy's face with no, no light bar on, no siren. So I thought, I actually felt a nudge at the back of the car. So I actually looked back, and it's just the cop. So I went, you know, a little bit faster. Mind you, I'm in a stolen car trying to go the speed limit. So I bump it up a little bit to 40, 45. He's matching my speed. He's doing the same thing again and again and again. So we get up to about 65. When we get up to 65 miles per hour, he hits the lights and sirens, but he doesn't leave me anywhere to turn off. Where I'm at in Westchester, they, all these private houses and stuff, they had these uh, big walls outside. And I couldn't turn off because if I did, I'm in the right lane. So if I would have turned off somewhere, I would have ended up in someone's mailbox. So I'm looking, you know, panicking. What the hell do I do? And finally, after about two miles, there was another cop from another jurisdiction sitting there, uh, Irvington. This one started in Elmsford. He was sitting there at the... Uh, in the middle of the road. Now, I didn't see lights on the other side of the, the crest, but apparently they were on. And I ended up T-boning the cop. And it was a rainy night in Westchester. <coughs> I crested the hill. Cop car was right there. So they had to extricate me from the car with the jaws and lights. And the cop that I hit, you know, he, he had to get jaws and lights as well. So fast oh, forward shit. through the county jail. What now, what happened to thing. him? Did he did he recover? Is he fully recovered? Oh, he's recovered. Okay. But let, let me tell you how. Let me tell you how crooked that system is. Well, well so one one time, one thing at a time. You can't. You, so you oh, yeah, you no. got caught for boosting cars, and then you ran and hit a cop. Yeah, and when I did that, 
they charged me as an adult with assault with a assault with a deadly weapon, um, grand larceny and a grand theft auto, and they also hit me with, you know, they tried to hit me with the uh, the other car charges, but they couldn't prove I I had access to it, so they those got dropped, and uh, so throughout the court hearings, the cop goes from wheelchair all the way to, you know, they're saying, oh, he might not recover. So the day I get sentenced, guess what? Yeah. He's walking better with Overcom- the cane than yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Now, now exactly. Uh, uh, Brian, did you have a record before this? No. You never were arrested? No juvenile stuff? Nope. And, None. And, and, How'd you do in school? Well, I was all right. I mean, eighth grade was my best year. I got all honor roll two out of three quarters. Okay. Wow. You know, that Did you use that good. when you were in court? I tried. And I, uh, I had a public defender, and, and all they did was they said, that doesn't matter because here in New York State, they care about what happened here, and they're going to charge you with what happened here. So they don't care if you had the best record on earth, what happened here now, you injured a cop, and all this other stuff. So <laughs> I, I actually turned – so in New York State, and I'm learning this as of recently – to be, if they charge you as an adult at 16, you know, they actually have to figure a way to get you to the prison at 17 to officially be an adult. So I sat in Downstate Correctional Facility, which is the transfer facility between, uh, state and between county and state prison for about six months until I turned 17. And then right after I turned 17, uh, I turned 17 in, April, in January. Almost the anniversary of my accident, which was like April 21st, 2010, they shipped me off to Great Metal Correctional Facility, which is the max I was saying about. All and right, let me stop you a few things. Did you go yeah. to trial or did you take a plea? I ended up taking a plea because they dropped it down. It was going to be 10 years, but they, some of the charges, like I said, with the other Mustang and all this other ground and stuff, they couldn't point I had anything to do with it, so they dropped a lot of it, which shed a bunch of time. But they said if I go to trial, I'm looking at 15. Yeah, they, you know Ninja. that. Yeah, they do. And again, that's lawyering. Obviously, you know, bad lawyering. Uh, Public and, defender, absolutely. But again, there's another case where in a state like the Florida, I think it's a three one eight six. I don't know what number for ineffective counsel in Florida. There's a number. It's like again, the twenty two fifty five in the feds. The state I used to know, 3186 or something like that. And uh, this state, too, they all have ineffective assistance to counsel. Uh, obviously, yeah. it's harder to fight that with a plea deal than it is when you go to trial. Sure. And obviously, what they do also is that, that they scare you. I mean, and, 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 and rightfully, meaning, you know, sometimes you look at your life and you say, but he's 16 years old, you know, or 16 when it happened, 17 years old. Uh, you probably when he went to the you know the facilities they put him there obviously because diff- different different states have different laws what's uh have to be in a juvenile facility up to certain age and then you have you know those are warrior camps too and I spoke at the worst one in Florida it's called Indian River Correct they closed it they since closed it man you said oh, wow. kid, kids with life sentences I mean fuck it I mean yeah they murdered something again now they can't do that obviously I have to have special hearings and stuff like that to right. do it the law changed now here, here's what I look at you and I'm gonna give you a couple of pieces of advice or uh, uh, things when things how you look at rehabilitation or how you look at a person who changed obviously you're an intelligent young man you 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 know you fucked up but at what point is enough enough for a young person but here's the big oh, yeah. part with him with Brian is 
Brian has to understand, and it's hard, and it's very hard. It's very easy to fucking be great when everything's going right. It's when things go wrong and you don't fucking go back to crime, you're truly rehabilitated. Like, I remember I, I had a lot of hard years, and it was so easy, and we talk about that, you and I, Benz, how easy it would it be for me to do something and make oh, a yeah. lot of money real quick and, and, and live that different life. You too, and I know that. And we don't have all these gravy years, you know. It's like, you know, you're always juggling stuff. You do things. And I remember that. I mean, and you say, when is it going to happen? Will it happen? But you believe in yourself. You keep working and things happen. You, Brian, at, especially at young, you're 28. I tell young people right now that I got out of prison at 46 years old and changed my life, not only to become a successful man, is... I mean, financially successful, but not only that, it was more about me changing truly who I am that I don't even think about robbing a fucking jewelry store. Right. Unless it's the 20 million. Exactly. But 20 million? It doesn't yeah, say maybe 20, 50 oh, million. But <laughs> my point to Brian is, it's these are the tough, these are going to be your smartest, trust me, you're going to learn more right now, Brian, about people around you, about what uh, other things, and you're going to become a stronger individual for it. I've learned a lot of my philosophies. You know them. And you, I've seen you use them a couple of times. And oh, I, I, yeah. I laugh. I think it's great because yeah. you learned. I did it with old gangs. I did it with different people. And you're going to learn, Brian, right now that at 28, things don't go right. You try things, different things. You're gonna, and, you, and when you have that fortitude to keep doing it without being a criminal, because he was just with, you know, for six years he was with criminals. So they talk about crimes, how to do them, everything else that goes on in those facilities. Am I correct? Oh yeah, and also you know you know Larry, what turned me to your channel initially was so one of the guys I was locked up with, he actually used to hit jewelry stores in New York City as well, and he actually did a couple of bank jobs. So when I first the first video I saw from you was about if I'm not mistaken it was the it was about the corrupt prison system. I think you were talking about UFC Atlanta and. Then, you know, I saw ex Jewelty and, you know, it reminded me of one of the guys I was locked up with who I think recently just got out. And I have no clue what he's doing because he was also in the 90s as well, robbing jewelry stores and banks. He had a life sentence and he got that overturned while we were in because the entire time I was in Washington correctional with him, he uh, he was fighting the case. But, but yeah, no, I mean, Brian, oh, yeah, he, he how was, did you find yeah. it? Like, did it pop up on your screen? How did you like? Oh, yeah. How did you find no, it? It popped up on my uh, on my YouTube. And here's the thing: is when it because one of my I'm still in contact with one of the guys that I was in the joint with. You know, we don't really discuss anything anymore. Like, we don't talk. You know, we just kind of if we see each other once in a while, we say what's up. But he told me that uh, this guy Lawrence got out. So I looked up, you know, his name Lawrence Palomino, and on Facebook, and then about. Two hours later, I'm watching YouTube and I'm scrolling, and there's Larry with the uh, with uh, how what well, was I can't remember the exact title, but it was like how corrupt the the federal system is. And I click on the video, and then it you know your intro where it says yeah, ex jewelty Larry Lawton. So finally, I get through it, and I'm like, dude, this reminds me of you know another guy I was in Lawrence Palomino. You know he uh, he got caught in like '92. And he was supposed to be doing a life sentence because he had a gun as well. He had a loaded handgun. So, you know, they charge you for every bullet that's in the gun as well. 
So they got them with that. And then I, I, I started clicking through your videos and started watching. Then I ran across uh, Jessica Kent and your video that you did with her. And I felt like the more I related to what you were saying, because, you know, as such a young person in the system at the time, and, you know, even your more recent videos, I, uh, you know, I sit there and relate to it because I've watched guys basically get their heads severed off. I've watched guys get, get holes poked in them. I don't know, Larry, you, you may have had these in the fed system, but the beds that they used to have, and this was in New York State. I don't know if they had the same ones in the fed. They had bolts in them that were like eight inches long in the, in the floor. And during uh, 2011, I won't forget this. We were out in the yard after uh, school, and voca- school, vocation, and work. They used to let everyone out, and then you have the chance to go back to the, go back to the block or you stay out. I decided to stay out, and about 10 minutes after they get the call back and they got everyone, li- everyone lined up, uh, I hear everyone on the ground, uh, towers will shoot if you move. What the fuck is going on? I look across the yard as I'm getting down. These three guys are stabbing the crap out of this other guy. And you could see it. I don't know how he got it past the metal detector. I think he was on one of the uh, work on one of the uh, interior work details, like garbage or something. He smuggled out this uh, one of those bed bolts he had broken loose, and he had sharpened it using the back of his cell by the toilet because there was so much paint back there. And then once you got through the paint, it was concrete. But he had sharpened it and started stabbing this uh, this rival gang member. He stabbed him. At the, the cops said about 17 times and all the cops in there, they were running around, you know, they had the, the towers, they had, they didn't have the shotguns out with the rubber bullets. They had the AR-15s out with the live rounds. And it was just absolute madness. So that locked the place down. And then in 2012, about February, 2012, I actually was a, uh, I guess if you want to call it a break for one of these guys, because in New York State, in the jail system, you either have blood, Latin Kings, Aryan Nation, or you have, um, i trying to think of the other one, starts with a Y. It's uh, Young Gangsters, I think it is, Young uh, Gangster Disciples. Oh, G- yeah, and, GD. Yep, yep. And uh, this one kid happened to be a crip, and they put him in the, uh, they put him double bunk in Great Meadow with a, with a blood. And apparently everything was fine. And then I'm eating dinner, and we had this one guy who we used to call Bean. He used to resemble Butterbean, but he always went by Bean. <laughs> we had a he guy, Butterbean. We actually yeah, had a guy, Butterbean, from Georgia. I remember him. My we, brother we couldn't call him Butterbean because he, cause he, he hated being called Butterbean, but he didn't care about calling, being called Bean. And I used, to clean the, I used to clean the tear with him. You know, you got the mop buckets, you got the spray bottles, and I'm going down the tear one here with him one day and he goes look if you need me you know just let me know because he says i just got light he goes i'm not going anywhere so i'm like you know what i don't want to be in uh i don't want to be in a situation where i need you so we're sitting down at chow at about chow in the dinner time and if you know larry you know that when they follow you out of the uh chow hall they do it they'll normally have everyone get up and then you go down that main wall where you came in and I was sitting with my back out, and I didn't feel right. And I said to Bean, I'm like, something doesn't feel right. Now, he was, a, he was like me. He was, a lone, he was a lone wolf. You know, he ne- never ran with anyone. And 
I'm eating chow and I get a sudden right hook right to my face. It was the crypt that was in with the blood. So automatic, shut the cafeteria down. They have the gas ready to go because now all the bloods are running across. They have the, they have a divider in the, in the chow hall, which is one and two. And that's an automatic door, a heavy steel door. And it shuts, it shuts because a couple of guys ran through. And I guess they had, you know, they've been waiting for this to happen. So I got almost knocked out. I actually rolled about three times over to another table where the leader of the Great Meadows Correctional um, Muslims was sitting. And I was cool with everyone in the, in the prison. Like, if you were ahead of something or if you were running something, I was just cool with you because I just wanted to do my time and get out. So when, they, when I rolled over to him and they saw what happened, they jumped up. And the guard, I remember this one guard, Colvin, he was the coolest. He was like a Gary Mess. Right. He was, you know, yeah. the, the most chill, chill dude, six foot, whatever, 400 pounds, a little heavier. He walked up to them and said, you don't do a damn thing because we know what this is about. You know, he was a victim. We got this. So they gave me a tier three ticket for fighting him in chow hall still because of the way the system works. And even though it's on camera, I didn't do anything. You know, the, uh, the investigative service of the uh, prison, you know, the, uh, SIS, the, yep. the supervisor. Yeah, they uh, even they reviewed it, but they still gave me a 30 days keep lock in the cell. So I got a tier three Such ticket of hanging bullshit, up my head. man. You, that's yeah. normal. I mean, that, you, I get, no, I that's get why they that say, doesn't you know, mean it's not bullshit. No, no, no. That's why, you know, when, when I do a, uh, uh, testifying for somebody who's been in prison and and i was doing it for the innocent project i was doing it for how to you know is the person rehabilitated is he not i go and i i get all what their infractions were and everything else and you know when i see young people get fight there's nobody who goes to prison but you know doesn't get into altercations of some sort or whatever it is and even if you're in the do. same room fuck it yeah so it you know exactly. you, you don't look at that and say oh he's a bad guy because he had me listen if there's a young cute kid in there and he's 21 years old He's going to be tried more times than he wants to be tried. And he's going to have to do what he's got to do to survive. You know, whether it's a lock in the fucking head or the fucking, you know, what he's got to do to survive to make himself, you know, defend himself. The system will say, exactly. no, he should have came to the fucking guard or he should have did this. He, there's no way. What They probably told him he shouldn't have ate that fucking day. You know, meaning Actually, it's, it's bullshit. It's such Larry, bullshit. You want to know what happened right after they... they because you know they take you out once you get into a fight in the in the chow hall or anywhere they take you out and strip first you and all this stuff. I'm up against the wall. The sergeant, the captain's there, and you can hear the block officer. Because I was in A block, this kid was in B block, and they kept telling him, "You ha you had the chance. You had the chance to get out of that damn cell. You could have talked to us. We could have got you out." And this is without the kid saying anything, because they know who you are. They know when you go in. They know your tattoos. They know your record. And the, and, the, and the cops just kept saying, you know, you had your chance. I told yeah, they're you writing their own report right there and then. Yeah. They, exactly. There's no, listen, the system's so broke. And he's just, he's just really sh reiterating how broke the system is, no matter whether it's state or fed or whatever it is. And the sad part of it, even, Mount, now he survived it. <coughs> he's out. He survived it. He's going to do, you know, he has to just keep that mindset. There's nothing, I try to tell people when they get out, Two things. When a fucking, the roughest fucking thing, times of your life, you don't have a job, you're fucking almost homeless, you do everything. 
Just think of how sucky it was when you were in there, and it's going to be worse. Right. So you have oh, to you have to keep that in that back of your head, and it's hard sometimes because we are trained or we are blessed, if you want whatever you want to call it, to put the shittiest shit that we had gone away from us out of us to handle it. You know, we're we're really uh, uh, the human race is amazing. Animals can't do that. So what happens with uh, like him? Uh, he, everything he says is, is probably in most prisons. Period. I don't know of a prison really that that is run the way a real prison should run. Rehabilitation. You got a young man here who is so impressionably. Listen, he barely got his dick fucking sucked before he fucking went to prison. Like he probably, you know what I mean? He was he was a, he was a kid. He was right. a fucking kid. Right. And now you take him, and now he's growing up in this environment. I mean, literally learning learning adult skills and stuff. And I'm I'll tell you what, you're doing very well. I mean. The way you speak, the way you stuff, you take a kid who went from 16 to 24, 23, six years in prison at that age. It's like, wow, your brain is not even close to developed. Uh, he had to learn a lot of shit, uh, literally life skills, everything else, L- communication life skills. skills in prison. Yeah, communication skills, uh, how to interact with other groups and everything else. And, and there's nobody there to train you, you know, everybody. And, and Larry, go ahead. Sorry, not to, not to cut you off, but- Here's where a lot of people may may under underestimate you when you say this. If you don't have manners when you go in, if you make it out alive, you're gonna learn all the manners because I don't know how many times I went to chow and you know, the guy behind me, you know, he'll trip on my heel or something. This'll be a guy that's got complete life, no 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 number before it, and he will basically oh my god, I'm so sorry, man, please don't Please don't do it. You know, I'm, I'm trying to file to get out of here. But these are guys that do not give a shit about anything. But you know what? They have the most respect and manners. And if you don't go in there with them, you're going to leave without with them. Because I went in there. I had my manners. I had an idea what I was going to do. Because when I was in the county, I had this guy, Bones. He was one of the porters. And he told me, he said, look. Because they knew I, he, he was shipping me up the next morning. So he said, look. Whatever you do, you do exactly what you did here. You don't, he said, you don't run with anyone. You run by yourself. And he said, you keep your mannerisms the way they are right now, you're going to be all right. Because you know as well as I do, Larry, that the county is completely different from the. Uh, oh, from the, I, it, it, it obviously. Even I know that. Yeah. But you, you know oh, what, yeah. what? What are you saying is, is two things. It's a little tougher, maybe in the, in the penitentiaries more than anything, is. It's very hard as a young person to not fucking group up or, you know, get, get, go. They call it jump on a bus, you know, yep. who, who you're going to run with. And uh, it's, it seems lucrative. It, well, no, I mean, it's, it's a protection. It's right, a family, exactly. It's everything. And he didn't. That, that says a lot. That's hard, 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 hard. And I know we could sit here and talk. If I talk to him for an hour, 10 hours, whatever, it wouldn't matter. There'll still be things that happen to him that he don't want to talk about for a long time. I know because it happened to me and everybody else. And but to come out, be able to articulate his whole entire story and not. Yes, he's mad. There's no question. He knows the system's fucked. That's number one, which is in a way I hope he realizes never to go back. Well, you know, here. so that's the segue to a big question that I have for you, Brian. What's up? Here's the, here's the biggest question, in my opinion, and that's going to make your story either more interesting or less interesting right away. Do What's you that? feel like you did something wrong? Do you feel like you were at fault? Do you feel like you got the time you deserved? 
you know what? I do feel like it. And, you know, there, and there is a slight twist on it is because when I got out, I learned that the cop that chased me, he had multiple, he had a, he had this opportunity while I was in because the cop that I hit ended up suing him and his department. He changed his story three times. Wow. So, if yeah, I yeah, but, been... but but that I think you get you got away from Ben's question. Here's the question: Like I, I feel like I did something wrong, or no, I, I feel like I deserve the time because there you go. That's the answer. That, if, if I didn't, if I didn't do that, then you know what would happen is I would have went down another path. I would have fucked more stuff up, and I might not be here right now. And, and, and know, but that's yeah. even thinking of yourself. It's about like when I look at what I did wrong, obviously, and I live the wild life. Is uh, oh, yeah. which I always do. Whoever's a guest on this show, if they don't have the book, we send them the book. Right. So if you you know if you don't have the book, I'll be sending you the book and I'll sign the book for you. But what happens is, as I know, I did not just because oh my life I did I lost thirty four to forty six. I lost the best years of my life. You lost but that's the best, about me. The best years of your kids' lives. Yeah, but that's about me. Right. Or my thing. It's the victims. Oh, yeah. There is victims. And, and you know, as I always tell you, you know this. I know I was wrong. I put fear in it. Even people say, you didn't hurt anybody. But you put fear to a point that some people can't handle that fear just like, you you know, somebody can hand, handle a punch, whatever it is. So exactly. I look at it that way. And he's got it. I mean, he realizes he fucked up. But I want him to realize he fucked up because people got hurt. Uh, could have killed other people along the route. I mean, it could have could, got really, really bad. And obviously, we wouldn't be talking to him right now. Uh, but he's also such a kid, you know, a young person that goes to prison at that age. They can't process things like you and I can, or even him now. He realizes it now, obviously. I, I think now what you said was good. I don't, I think he got too much time, uh, in my opinion. Of course, at that age, you're so impressionable. I think a certain, maybe a three-year sentence, maybe a two and a half years, something with, with more rehabilitation, more uh, education and stuff to, like, to go on, instead of keeping enough time to fuck him up, like he sees so much violence. He sees so much death, I'm sure you've seen. He's seen you know, people, groups, and how they work and stuff. That's not good. It's not, it's not it's something not that, normal. It's, it's not a normal thing. Not when you're 17, no. Right, and that's no, and my opinion with, with, with the time. And... Listen, I used to say this. Now, obviously, he was doing wrong, and he just got caught up in it, and he did what he, what he did. And, and, you know, everybody says, well, it's not my first time. They did it, and they did it enough, and whatever they were making. You know, you know that. I mean, I have to tell you that. And what I tell young uh, people is, a person at that age, you have to give him, I don't believe anybody, anybody who does a nonviolent, this is really not a non, this is not... They charge him with a weapon. Obviously, it's the car. It's the chase. It had an accident. Is it a weapon? Is it a gun that he pointed out the window and started shooting at the cops? No. Uh, something of that. And he didn't have a gun with him or a, or, or deadly he got, weapon. He got in an accident, and it was a pretty serious accident. No, because absolutely. Just boosting cars, man, what's that, a year? Well, no, it's, it's, it's higher than that. I mean, but he's a 16-year-old kid. Yeah, at that point, I mean, they, they'll finally leave really, But it's, it's hitting the cop is, is what, what did it for him, man. Hundred percent, and and what they did though is they really threw a book a, a book at a kid that made bad choice. It, he had it, no it, representation. It no. was easy. Oh yeah, absolutely. The prosecutor got a plus one right there. Yeah, and you know the prosecutor's a jerk off because they you know they took advantage. It's a numbers of a kid. game, Larry. And yeah, you know in somebody's business, it's for your business is how much content you put out. For his business, is how many people he put in jail. Well. Technically, that's not right. It's not supposed to be right. But it is that way you because know, that's how their portfolios are looked at. Yeah, but here, see, a, a defense attorney is supposed to, to defend you no matter what. 
but a prosecutor is supposed to seek the truth and, and even you know clarify that they don't you're right 100 percent. look at their websites it says how many people they sent to jail yeah that should be fucking the biggest red flag I'm in the just world saying, that's how they that's why chief force and i told you the one i'm a, he, he doesn't do that he gives awards away for people who speak at churches not for people who do duis because you're gonna have bad duis i mean yeah. period it's just it's a numbers cool. game now you take Brian. Brian's an example, but Brian's important to have on the show. Hell yeah. Because Brian's going to open eyes, I hope, to some young, young kids out there or people or fam even dads who have kids. I hope they make their kid listen to this show, if any show, because you're talking, this is a young kid, made his bad choices. Obviously, he, he paid the price for it. I mean, in a big way. And and more. It's more He's to it. He's still paying the price He's for it. It's a lifelong price. process. Absolutely. But you know what? I think these these are the kids, the young people who make such a difference because they become stronger, better. They they uh, they appreciate things a lot more. Uh, they you know he gets a job. Yes, he's trying. He, he tried the the horticulture, what I think, whatever what, that kind of stuff, and it's not didn't make it or whatever happened happened, which is normal. You and I know as businessmen that that's happened. Believe me, it happens so much, and things are going to change so much, and you're going to find something better. You know, I'm looking at a guy in our room right now who who's tried things and this, and you know what? Tried he's everything there is to no, try. No, listen, and he's going to be better for it because he's learning. I hope every day from coming here to do what we do. And you know what? At one point, it's going to wow, the light. You know, that's it or this, whatever. And everybody grows at a, a certain pace. I was older. I was 34 when I went to prison, and I got out of 46, and I changed my life. So I often tell people who are young like this, man, this is a fucking hiccup. Because at 28 years old, you're a fucking kid, you know? I mean, to me, obviously. But even in life. To me now, too. I mean, the, no, the really. older I get. And look, I remember you when you were fucking 28. I remember when I was 24. Right. Yeah. And, and what a change. I mean, yeah. just uh, the maturity, the talking, the how to do things, everything. It, 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 and I change every day. Even myself, you know, get calmer, more, you know, things don't you know, bother me and things. And he is changing. But at 28, you got your whole fucking life. He's living another 60 How long has years. he been out? Two years now? Uh, since, uh, no, since uh, 16. 16. I've been out since 2016. 2016. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so now he's out six years. As long okay. as he's in, that's, uh, that's a big number for him because it was for me. When How long out- did it take you to start that business you were telling us about? It took about three years because what I did was, I, I'm not saying I gouged customers. So what, but, hold on. What did yeah. you do right out of prison? You came out, you got well, your $20 I, and I you're kicking out. the ass. Now what? Oh, I, I didn't get shit on the way out. I got a... Uh, it's a joke. They gave me, yeah, they, they gave me, a, uh, they gave me my, my property that I decided to leave with and, a, uh, and my prison ID, which I still have. They didn't give you, they didn't give you gate money? No, they didn't give me anything. Not even $25? Usually supposed to give you 20 yeah, bucks, Well, yeah. they gave me $25 to get they're, money, and, you know, nah, even though I had money. Well, well they're supposed to give you uh, 25 I think, if you took the bus. But my brother, he he was there, and he picked me up. And, you know, being up in Washington County, that's up by Lake George, and that's like a four-and-a-half-hour drive. So uh, they didn't give me anything. They gave me my prison ID. They gave me my release papers. And, you know, I had to go to parole, which was in, uh, in New Rochelle. And I did that. Then afterwards, you know, I had to sleep in shelters for about a year. Then I went home. And, you know, that was actually when I started my, my garden center job. I started working at the florist, you know, for five years. And about three years into it, you know, I had a better vehicle than I had. And I started asking customers, I was like, hey, you know, 
since you don't really seem to know too much about your yard, can I uh, come over and take a look and maybe install the stuff for you? And it snowballed like that. And, you know, I, I mean, I was making a killing with my truck. And then as soon as my truck went, my business went. And, you know, like right now, I'm at the bottom of the barrel scraping for, you know, pennies to pay for gas with this new truck and oil. But, you know, uh, like, like Larry said, you know, the hiccup, you know, everything that happens even out here right now where I'm at. Yeah. You know, you know I am actually cooking like I am in prison because I do make the, uh, I still make a ramen soup because that's what I can afford. It, it, and, it, uh, and I love that. And he's really, really showing that he's, he, first of all, it's a great business learning. I mean, he, he knew, again, could, could have he put a few dollars aside for vehicles and this and everything well, else and stuff. He, what a learning process. And he's doing it on his own. This guy didn't go awesome. to Wharton, uh, Mr. Mr. Buttons. I don't know anybody who went to this, Wharton. Oh, the, Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, okay. And this, I mean, he's really a product. His success, I hope we follow. Because you're going to see ups and downs and stuff. And then when he, he gets to a point that... Now I got it. Like it took me I mean, for so long. Even me as an older guy, I, you know how bad I was at business. Joe sure. used to yell at me. Yeah, I mean, this is my buddy who passed away. You, he's but, got a tool that you couldn't use though. He's when when he was telling telling how hard he was scraping it right now. Jason from across the room, Jose was mouthing to me, "Go fund me," right? Either that or you say, "Go fuck me." I don't, which one was it? Oh, GoFundMe, yeah. So, so I think what he's trying to say, Brian, is you should start a GoFundMe. You know, if you if 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 that yeah. would help you get back on your feet. You know, I know I throw some money in there. Oh yeah, I just, well, absolutely. And you know, the, the key well, with even with those is how does it somebody like I wouldn't have known how to did that and didn't have it when I was well. Here's, no. Well, here's the thing. Like for me, you know, I was at another low point recently, and I tried to GoFundMe, and it was up for like three months. And, you know, I even put, you know, the picture of my truck. I even had a YouTube video, and I took it down when I sold the truck. But I even had a YouTube video of, you know, the issue that was wrong with my truck. And I posted the link to GoFundMe. You know, like, look, just basically lost my entire business, and I'm working on regaining. So any money coming in would be much appreciated. And I would, you know, I would make future content, you know, showing where the money's going. It was up for two months. I didn't get a dime. And yeah. I, I promoted it everywhere. And, you know, it's like, I busted my rear end. I did what I could. I guess it sounds easier than it really is. You it know, no, no, go fund these are, but not even that. But you know, like, I, I, I remember when you know people money, money. I, I remember getting an ex-con a job in a, uh, a a lawn service place, paying the lowest of you can. You know, lawn service, and the kid was such a good worker. Most ex-cons are good workers. Are fucking great workers. They're eager to please. They want to stay out. They're happy to be doing what they're doing and not being in jail. And listen, all they want to do is eat. Yeah. Literally, you know, no, and listen, they know how to survive. I worked with a lot of them, and 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 I oh, like Larry, that. You're right about the, you're right about the eating there, Larry. Because I'll tell you what, you said it right. And you know what sucks about Apple Podcasts is that they they play from the newest to the oldest. So I'm still catching up on your earlier content. But you said it right. You said you know when a lot of guys say, "Oh, do you miss sex more than food?" No, you miss food because I'll tell you what, my brother took me out to Applebee's <laughs> five minutes, five minutes out of the joint. Went up to um, Glen's Falls and they had a Applebee's there. And if you have if you ever been to Lake George, you have to go through like Glen's Falls to get there. And they have these huge outlets and these huge restaurant areas. We go to Applebee's and I'm not even kidding you. Like I ate just like random stuff I found on the menu, which tallied up to like ninety dollars. And my brother's looking at me like, well, "Did they feed you in there?" I just and got I out of prison, like, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. it, it's so and true. I, I looked at him. I'm, I looked at him and I said, "Look, I I'm what you." 
I'm happy right now just to eat all this and not have a sip of beer because at, at 14, 15, I started drinking, you know, a little bit here and there because it was in the fridge in the basement, my brother's beer. But Stop you know, with alcohol. Like, they all do. They all do. Yeah. But you know what, though? I said to him, I said, you should be happy I'm ordering this instead of alcohol because if I would go to alcohol and then I go to parole and go piss in a cup, guess what? I'm fucked. Well, no, so, you're fucked. He, it didn't have anything to do with him, right, and you right, did right. the right thing for you, and that's the smartest thing in the world, obviously. But it's exactly. so funny with food. Everybody, I don't care. Here's another thing. Brian, what's your number? Yeah. What's your prison number? 10A5912. I'll never forget that number. You know, 5222404. I mean, it's, it's something that's embedded in your fucking head. You ask anybody who's did time like that, they know their number. That's your social, man. It is, it is just, it's who you are. I mean, I hate to say it. It is. And, and obviously I'm different because now I try to teach you and show people that even though you have a a number in your head, you're still fucking who you are. I mean, you made it, you're out now, you know, and that's a big thing because there's kids at at his age, they kill someone in there. They fucking stab somebody and they get a street charge and they get things. and, And before you know it. You know, they, they don't know. And the system don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. They really don't. And instead of no. understanding how the age and the pro And, you know, they know it. Psychologists know it. People know it. Same with the military. I'm not a believer in a young kid. I went in the military at 17. You know, maybe my ear was different. But I, it, it, how are you giving a fucking kid a rifle at fucking 17? Tell him to 18. Tell him to kill a motherfucker. All of a sudden, fuck, you don't think his brain's fucked up? Come back and be normal. No, it doesn't exactly. happen. It doesn't happen. And we know this, but we do nothing about it. Right. As a society, we do nothing about it. We know the brain does not mature till 25 and a female 23. That's not me. That's, that's numbers and zillions of surveys or, or, or you know, and, and I, the tests and everything else. And yeah, I mean, literally from like MRIs and, you know, they have brain tests and all this. And now you're fucking expecting this person to be, a somewhat a normal person, you know, and they're going to make choices. Now I'm not giving them an excuse to do things. That's number one. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying, you know, Oh, just do nothing. Cause yeah, he's young. Well. but you have to take that into account in a big way. In his case, I don't think they did at all. You're not talking about, no. again, he fucked with a cop. That's it. And, and, that, and that is, that's, that's his, but mine was, I wouldn't rat. So they, they put me into a fucking uh, maximum security prison. They, I mean, they were waiting, they were it. waiting for you to fall apart though. In a yeah. sense. Oh, absolutely. They right. tried to break me. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways. And, you know, my inner fortitude was so fucking, like, you know with me. I mean, it's just. You're a hard-headed person in general, so. Yes. And now <laughs> you add this fucking shit into it, and yeah. now it's fuck you. You know, and then you, you know, you go through your process of mad, and you want to fight. And I did fight. I fought. I couldn't beat him. I mean, broke my hand, fucking hitting the helmet. What the fuck am I going to. You cannot. I don't. This fucking, you know, this ninja shit that you fucking read. Don't work. <laughs> don't work. <laughs> You got fucking five mooses coming into your cell and they ain't a fucking a piece of... They're trained how to use those sort teams. One takes one limb. You know, literally, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. their job is. is right. And then, you, oh. you know, you're done. So, so those turtles... Well, I, I don't know about you, Larry. I, I don't know what... If you call them the sort team, I call them the turtles. When they when they gear up, they have the helmets, those uh, shields, and they're, and they're all armored up. Is he saying that? Was, he, they call them turtles. Some they, they, turtles. They, yeah, the turtles. Oh, because they're turtled up. You can't well, yeah, like, no, yeah, like they, it they're, they're in a shell. Yeah, they're exactly. in a shell is what he's really saying. So, no, I yeah. get it. I get and it. When, when they would come through, you know, here's the thing that a lot of people will never understand. And me being 17, 18 at the time was, you know, when I was in, in the match, 
you know, they would have like a, it would be like a break room, but this is where the guys that were all suited up to be turtles, you know, they'd be waiting for a fight or, or, or a lockdown situation to happen. And they'd be gung ho all about it. Like they give them freaking speed or something and they come running out, beating the crap out of anyone that was in their way. If you're not there. on the floor, if you're not on the floor in prone position, they beat you and yeah. stop, oh. beat you and keep going. Literally. Yep. And that, that's exactly when uh when I got in my fight and I saw the scars on my knuckles from I went bare bone right into the pavement missing a guy's face when he turned and I'm That's happened to me before, day, think, by the way. That's excruciating. Yeah. I yeah, well took I, you I, about I, what, you ten know, minutes to feel it? Oh his adre- oh, his adrenaline is Yeah, his what, adrenaline is like fucking going. Once yeah. the adrenaline goes okay. away, I've done that before. I have the scars. Look at this. I got stabbed and I didn't know I was stabbed. Yeah, it's fucking crazy yeah, how that it's works. It's amazing. Twice. And you, well, you you're well, in the heat of battle. It's it's so you, you you missed the punch. You hit the fucking guy. What's next? I I I got the guy about three times, and you know what he you know what he tried to come at me with, and I didn't even see it. You know the chain link fences that you have all around the joint. Yeah. So this guy this guy we were on the landscaping crew, and he would do is while we were out and among the place, he would take pieces of the chain link out, scrape off the outer layer, the green coating, the rubber coating. He'd scrape it off in the pavement, and when he got up by his cell block. He would drop it, you know, in the grass, and someone would pick it up, buy it, whatever. He had one, and we had we were on the same landscaping crew. And I got to tell you, the crew I was on, I'm not going to mention the officers' names because they still work there, and I respect them too much. You know, maybe when they retire, I'll, or Larry, I'll tell you on uh, on private call who they are, so you can probably look them up because they're the top dog officers. You know, they uh they walked out. You know, they had to go to a fight. So just us down there, and this one kid thought I disrespected him because I had my back to him and I wasn't answering. The reason why I wasn't answering, not because I was being disrespectful, but because I didn't hear him because we had everyone in there. We're cooking venison that they brought in. You know, we're cooking uh, potatoes and everything. I didn't hear him because we have a bunch of guys in there. We got, uh, we got the local rock station on. So he took it as disrespect. So he pushes me. He says, yo, I'm fucking talking to you. So I turn around I said, well, speak up, and he took that as, oh, I'm, let's go outside. So he, we go outside, and remember I told you about Brian Britton. He's a he's a life. He's got his his own sister who survived the shooting. Is petitioning every time he comes up for parole for him to stay in. So he comes out, and he knows what's about to happen. He's about ready to jump in, and this guy comes up to me, and I didn't see it in his hands, but. He, he pushed me, and as soon as he pushed me, I, I punched him in the face. We get down on the ground, and I keep punching. Then finally, he turns his head just in the nick of time, and I scrape the pavement. And just as soon as I did that, I saw blood, but I didn't know where it was coming from. And I kept punching him, kept punching him. And finally, you know, Brian pulls me off him. He stands back, and he goes, shit. I go, what? He goes, look at your knuckles. I, I, when you make the closing gesture with your hands, and your knuckles when they can when they contract, I could see the bone in my middle in my middle finger. Yeah. And yeah, I could see the you know you, you yeah, know, is that where the blood came from? Yeah. You know he, and, he mentioned he mentioned the the fence thing. I made a great shank that I made a well, well, <laughs> here we, we go. What we call them poke we call them pokers. So it's oh, it, yeah. there's different kind of weapons you make. Sure. Well, you know it's the it's what he's talking about is you have you know you take a fence pole. And they got all the fence. You know the thing that keeps one fence to the, the pole, yeah, yeah, that yeah, thing? Yeah. Used to take those off, right? 
And you, you put three of them together, we'd put three of them together and, and like wind them tight because one is just too weak, you know what I mean? And you put three together and you, you scrape them, you know, you get them pointed, you put them in a piece of wood, holy fuck, that's a great poker, man. And fucking, you know, I had my share of fucking weapons. But it just clicked when he said the fence link and the fence link because they're easy to get. You know, a lot of things, it's hard, I mean, to get certain weapons. You make them off lockers. You can make weapons off every fucking thing. What's the, the most world. common, do you think? The one that I grew up thinking was a prison shank was a toothbrush that was burnt and then scraped. Well, yeah, but not only that, the better ones to do that are a razor comb. Razor they, comb? Yeah, what we used to do is you take a straight razor, you know, you get it off the Listen ra- up, yeah, kids. A razor. Yeah, razor. <laughs> and you get a razor and, you know, because they give you a single razor. And we used to put paper silver paper from a, a magazine back in there so the guard thinks it's the razor and they throw it out so they, they don't not looking for the razor itself fucking smart so you take the razor itself now you you turn the you know the, the sharp end you you get the top they used to give you a, a comb like a little black comb so you, you burn you know, it it's a little bit thick no you don't have to you, you you get it first started and then you can do it then you turn it around you put the ends in, you know, the, the, the dull end. Yeah. And now it's just a razor. And we, man, I cut a guy right across his fucking chest. And he was trying to give me a Bible. It was really a sad story, but. That is fucking it, sad. It, Holy well, shit. I didn't know. I mean, I was a kid. You know, but you go to prisons like at Rikers Island, those places, people put them in their mouths, put them everywhere. But the razor comb was the first thing I've learned to make in prison. Now, as far as real shanks, used to get like shit that we used to call them swords or shanks that'll fucking just kill you you know yeah, yeah. uh you get and, and you're sharpening them on the edges of the yard or it's like you say in the concrete where in in his cell and i mean you can make them as long as you want because the top of a lock is that long now you're going how are you gonna break that how are you believe me you we've done every fucking thing first we'd get cms in there that's the, the crazy mate once you had those guys, man, you're getting fucking real fucking shit made, you know. And in penitentiaries, every motherfucker had one. Right. You know, that, that's a little different than any other prisons. Did you have any? You, did you have any? I I did. I had a couple. I had one, which was pretty basic. But so in the library at, at Great Meadow, they had a, uh, and actually, it, it actually passed the screening and went to Washington with me. I don't know how the hell that happened, but. Wow. Oh, I forgot. I guess uh, I had it in my toothbrush holder and I had some paper towel, uh, paper wrapped Didn't up. Didn't even there have and... to suitcase it, Larry. Yeah. Did you ever suitcase no. anything? No, I did not. Um, actually, not that he's willing a, to say on air. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I know I haven't had a suitcase or anything, but I got something for you. About he knows about it, I, though. Uh, he knows about suitcase. Well, tell us oh, yeah. about your tool well, first and then you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I had a, so in the pizza of a library, they had, they had this very old desk and I remember sitting at the desk one day and one of the guys on my block is telling me he's an older guy, Irish guy, but he, you know, he was a little twisted in the head and he was like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. You're at your age. You need to shit. He says, <coughs> find something. He says, find something, make something. At that point, he'd been in 33 years. He said, make, find something, make something. So I'm sitting at the table and they had this garnish molding that went around the bottom that was loose. And being that it was wood, it wouldn't go off in the middle of the on the way back to the block. So what I did was, as I was pretending to read, I had one hand underneath, and I'm basically picking at the glue of this thing with my other hand. I pulled off the piece, and I stuffed it in my socks, went up through the metal detector back of the block, and what I did was, because inmates paint their cells in the mask all the time, so there's like 40 layers of paint in my cell by the, by the toilet, 
So what I did was I sprayed out a bunch of that paint and I got down to the bare concrete and I sat there for about 15 minutes, wrapped up the end of it with toilet paper so I didn't cut myself with splinters or anything and sharpened it down into, a, into almost like a pencil like point. And finally I took some, when I made it down to uh, school, because here's the thing, you never, you'll never get a GED in the New York State system because someone's either getting stabbed at the same time or there's a fight right there at the top of the driveway. But, so I had it on me and I went to school and I went and I pocketed a roll of tape. So what I did was I rolled it and made a handle out of it. And then finally, I went on the yard. I don't know how many times, you know, I would even forget that I had it on my ankle. And I made it through, you know, all the metal detectors. Because if you have, if you, I have titanium in my back from the car accident. But, you know, if you went off in the metal detector, they're instantly throwing you up on the wall. And they're going to, they're going to pat first you, then they're going to strip search. Well, I never went off. So what happened was, I'd go out in the yard. There'd be a massive fight on one end. They put everyone on the ground, but they would just grab everyone within like a 20 yard radius of ever, of the fight. And they'd, and they'd pat them down for us to them and go. And I never needed it in either facility, but I had it. And when I got to Washington and realized when I was unpacking my stuff that I had it there because they give you a draft bag, it was a little white canvas bag. And, you know, they, they put you in a van and drive you across the street. It got through processing there. And then. When I got back to the block and realized in the dorm that I had it, what I did was I took underneath the bed, similar type bed, but it's not bolted down. And I took toothpaste and the state toothpaste, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a horrible, uh, mint flavored. And it came in a big tube. And I took, I sat there one night while the officer was basically asleep and used my razor to cut the bottom of the tube and I put it inside. I put it inside, and I, what I did was I used some of the actual toothpaste and sealed up the bottom. So when they would shut down the block to do and searches, they wouldn't find it. So well, you know, you know, would, uh, I'll go. What he's saying there is, uh, well, you know, I I went through a whole thing about where to hide shit and everything else, and uh, he he took a, a shank, obviously, you know, cut the thing. And went up into the shank, you know, kept it and like, but I didn't see that to me wouldn't have been good because I needed access to my weapon, you know, quick access, oh, yeah. right. you know, and if uh, shit was going down, you needed it, you know? And, so where'd yeah. you hide yours? Me? Yeah. Oh, I had one. I had three, three. I had one coming out of my cell. There was old piping. Now you got to remember this person is 1903. Right. So there's old piping. So I put it. In between, it, no, right on an angle you couldn't fucking see it. If you went like this, you couldn't see it. You went up and down, you couldn't see it. But you, if you feel if up, if you there, felt it right yeah. there, you, you know you get it. And I, that was that quick access right out. And then I had another one right in my bunk, but it was like it looked like it, you couldn't see it unless you again because it was the same color. What he's saying is that's so true about painting cells, and they also. Uh, wax concrete floors. Mm -hmm. You know, literally, guys will fucking make their concrete floor look like fucking glass. They do that in juvie too. Why? Yeah, it, it, that's some people fucking just wax OCD. Them. Yeah, yes. whatever the fuck you want to call it. I didn't do that shit. I yeah. had fucking that gold. I ain't got time for this shit. No. I'll go work out. Yeah, I get. Well, I do law work. You know, I was a big law. And then, uh, and I had one. And then I had a really good one that if I knew something was going down on the yard and I wanted to take it to the yard, I fucking had it in a coffee mate. I can, but I, 
I made so even if they opened up, they started shaking it, there'd be the shit in it. They couldn't tell because of the weight of the, it was the same exact, like, you know, it was a lightweight thing. It wasn't a heavy piece of steel. So you, you and it wouldn't shake it. You couldn't do anything. It was like tinny. It was funny because I'll go to, when I got out of prison and when I got out of prison, they, they didn't have uh, iPhones and shit. They had the razor flip phones and little phones. So I made, I still have it in here, right here in this closet. I made a, I got a radio and gutted the fucking radio and I put the phone in the fucking radio and exact weight. And so whenever I came back to the, to the, uh, uh, probation place, a uh, uh, halfway house I was yeah. in. I had the antenna up like I'm listening to the radio. They strip, you know, they search you down. So I put down the radio and they take it. It's the way, exact weight almost. Yeah. Never once. To this day, I got the fucking thing right here. It's amazing how you figure shit out yeah. in, in prison. I, I was in the hole for so long. I understood how to fucking make a rope that could fucking kill you out of the elastic in a fucking pair of underwear. Yeah. Uh. It's it fucking how you retwine it with a fuck. Like he said, the I got same. one Ryan, other thing on the do it. Has we, he we, ever we, been to the hole? Ryan. Well, hold on. We're going to talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Yes, I guarantee he's been all. Here's another thing. The toothpaste he's talking about, we call it state. Even the feds call it state, state and the state soap. That toothpaste you use for fucking glue on the wall. You put you put pictures up with it. Right, Literally, right, right. you put pictures. It dries. Up. It's basically. It's uh, like a fucking glue. Adhesive. I mean, we used to put it over the vent when the vent was, you know, either putting hot hot air or, or cold air. And it would hold it? It would fucking, you put, yes, it would fucking hold it. The whole fucking. You, you got to brush your teeth in that shit. Yeah. That, am I right, Brian? You are absolutely right. And I'll tell you what, Larry, you want to know something about ropes. I learned when we, I was in uh, Great Meadow because a guy I got close with. He had liver cancer and he was on his way out and he made a, he, he actually made the rope that he uh, checked himself out with out of toilet paper. He sat there for about two hours apparently while we were talking on the pier and uh, he sat there braiding this, uh, this toilet paper into a rope because the state, you know, they just, as Larry says, and I agree 100%, your arm could be falling off. They'll give you ibuprofen at the most. And he had a li- he had liver cancer, and he was and they kept scheduling him for like the next year, year and a half before he would go to chemo or any treatment. Randy and he was, was suffering talking about so that. Bad. Yeah, they kill you. He they was, kill you. Yeah, he, he was suffering so bad that you know when they when they did the uh, when they cut him down, they realized that the toilet paper, the state toilet paper, which is single ply, he sat there for at least two hours and made a rope out of two rolls of toilet paper, and he found the spot right over. Because they're, they're, they're automatic electric doors that are closed. They're gates. Well, they have bars. And right above it, he found the mechanism where he was able to hang himself. And when he kicked the garbage can, I heard it. Because he said, all right, I'm going to bed. I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. And that was, yeah. I heard the garbage can kick over, but I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe, you know, he shut his light off, kicked the garbage can. And no, he did it. And he did it out of toilet paper. And well, he was... He, he, w- about 165 pounds. Yeah, now, I'll tell you, just because we got to end, actually. I, I got to do something here. But I'll tell you what, Brian, what you said there, it reminded me of, first of all, you don't have to hang yourself. Like, he hung himself. All you got to do yeah. is put the rope around your neck, put it on the edge of the bed, lay down, and right. your air cuts off, and before you know it, you're dead. That's right. that's really what, I've seen that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen somebody hanging, like, you know, like, he, that, like he's You need talking. a strong enough rope made out of toilet paper. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. amazing when you wet something or you do the shit, the toilet paper and all this yeah, kind of yeah. what the strength. And, and again, we used to take a pair of underwear 
and the the, the you know the the, the, the elastic, elastic shit, and we we had, we had a system where you keep twine it with a with a paper clip, not a paper clip, a, a, a staple, and you put that in there with the the to- the, the toothpaste and, just and start- no and spin it yeah. and and it's spinning it's spinning it's spinning and you redo it you redo it. I fuck I used to do that and take hours and hours just to get a fucking what they call fish line to go to the next cell. Yeah. I mean, you, you get so fucking bored in these places, you know. And you, again, I cooked shit with nothing, with a battery and fucking. I cooked. I made fires in a cell and made coffee. I mean, it's crazy what you can do. But Brian, I want to do two things. I'm going to need from you, and you're going to get them right after we uh, Ben uh, kills this uh, show. I'm going to want your address. I do want your address. Okay. Yeah, we'll get uh, it from you. Yeah, and I want to get that. And uh, what else do you want? What do you want to say to close up with with the audience? Well, I mean, Larry, you've been an inspiration, and Ben's, you know, the talk shit after show is amazing. Thanks, bro. I'm uh, glad to hear that. Both of the guys are smiling. <laughs> you guys got to watch this. At least watch Ben's. You got the, you know, you got Jose over here, fucking. Uh, Jose's <laughs> just sitting here taking notes, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's good for you, man. And, and I like Thanks it too. Thanks for saying that, bro. And I, like I appreciate that. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Larry, what you stand for, you know, that's what kept me subscribed to your channel. Like, I follow your Reddit, I follow what i can and also you know the crooked diamond cigar i i actually get my cigars from a oliva distributor here in connecticut in norwalk and i actually had to ask them about the crooked diamond if they had known it was coming out and they're actually looking into finding the uh in the the oliva um catalog they're looking at the new one for next month because you said it launches on the first it's not. At it won't be on the Oliva catalog because we it, they're helping it's, us put it, it together. It's, but it's our cigar. It's Larry is making the cigar. They're just uh, the ones facilitating. They're it. distributing. But you okay. going in there and asking for it means our phones are going to start ringing. So I appreciate that. And if you live somewhere local uh, and, and you know about a cigar shop that you frequent, go in there, ask them for the Crooked Diamond cigar. That helps us. Uh, and it'll bring those cigars locally to you, so you guys can go and grab them there. You know, and and, oh, yeah, no. and I'll. I'll I just, Brian, he, he, he's going to say something, and I know it, but people don't know it. I don't bullshit on this show or my, my videos. He, he could tell that, obviously, somebody who's did that time. I don't bullshit. I tell it like it is. It's going to fucking, I love people. Say, it's not like, the, yeah, it is. It's yeah, it like fucking it. is. That's exactly He just right. talked about it. I mean, like, almost verbatim some of the stuff I talked about. Here's the thing. We talked to Tallini. We talk, here's the thing. We talked to Tallini. We talked to um, Randy. We talked to uh, Dave. All people that have served hard time. You and now Brian. And here's the thing. One thing is consistent. Everything that you say just keeps kind of repeating from different mouths. And, and you know what? In a sense, it's very important. I love that we do that on this show. It's a very unique perspective to people who don't see it. And, and, I, and I'm glad, like, we get a guy like Brian here because he's he's going to affect somebody. You know, he's going to affect the young person out there who's you know who's in the shit or do whatever. And that alone, he should be so proud of himself. And I hope you are, Brian, because no matter what happens, you're going to make it. You're going to do things. You're going to, like I said, you send me your you send me your address. We're going to do something for you. But keep doing what you're doing. Don't give a fuck. Uh, don't let people think you're less than something because you are a felon. Because you're not, and in my eyes, most felons are smarter, and military are smarter than most people you, you'll, you'll think. You become well-read, you read a lot of books, you read magazines, even in the military, you do things differently than you do as a person who's just it worried about It lets you appreciate shit. what it is to be free and be out and do your own thing. Yeah, and that's what he has oh, to keep, definitely. he has to keep his uh, uh, thoughts, and everything he has to do, he has to keep it going. 
when he's down, like now. For sure. And I'm glad he called, and I'm glad we got him on the show. And thank you, Brian, again, uh, for what you do. And you got to stay strong. Keep in touch with us. We are going to close it now. Uh, do you have anything to say, Ben? That's it. I mean, if you're not on Discord, get on Discord. If you're not uh, on our Instagram, it's at that Ben's at real Larry Lawton. Add us, talk to us. Suggestions are always welcome. Even if you just want to say fuck you, call me uh, arrogant and ignorant. I'm all about I, I, it. That was the funny one. But, you know, <laughs> I just want to say this too. You know, great job again, Ben's. Uh, keep it up. You guys do an after hour show, both of you. Thanks, brother. Keep doing You know, I got your back. I'm going to support it no matter what because I don't want it to fucking fail. <laughs> and, and I don't think it will. I, I think you're going to learn. And you're going to keep evolving. That's all I'm going to say. We're doing that. And I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. Remember? Anyway, with that, Brian, again, congratulations. I'm glad you're out. Thank you for coming here. Uh, Stay on the line, uh, Brian. Everybody else, listen out there. Make good choices, please. I emphasize that in every video and every podcast and everything I do. And I mean that because I don't want to see people go to prison. Have a great day, everybody. Please stay safe, and we'll see you next time.